helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. This is a time of year when most Americans are thinking about Halloween costumes, parties, oh, and of course, candy. However, recently one of our federal bureaucracies claimed to offer us candy, but instead a bitter pill in our own baskets. The CDC has added the fake COVID-19 vaccines to their recommended schedule of childhood vaccinations. That's right. Your federal government wants children to take an experimental drug, even though there is no medical reason to do so. Now, while the CDC has played a terrible trick on the American people, I have a treat I think you'll like. Well, hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution, we teach the rising generation to be free, and hopefully today, well, I give you something for your basket that you'll truly enjoy. Now, today, ladies and gentlemen, I've got three wonderful interviews talking uh, about this CDC nonsense. First is Jody O'Malley. She is a nurse and she has done something, well, let's say most of the bureaucrats that uh, are making our policy have never done. She's actually treated COVID patients. Jody, welcome to the Constitution Study. Thank you for having me, Paul. It, it's, it's great to have you. Listen, can you tell my audience just a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, so I am a master's prepared critical nurse. Throughout COVID, I worked in, I worked float pool is what they call it. Um, so I'd show up to work and they'd tell me where they would, you know, wanted me to go for the day. And that was either the ER, ICU, or a hospital supervisor. I work for um, Phoenix Indian Medical Center, which is a hospital for the Native Americans. And throughout COVID, I, you know, witnessed our horrific response to this, um, you know, that completely went against our evidence-based practice and our ethical principles that we take as nurses to put patient safety and do no harm in the forefront. And I, I witnessed this for about a year and a half when Nobody was listening to me. Um, administration wasn't listening. I had a patient that wanted to try ivermectin and a pharmacist blocked it. Um, she refused to fill the physician's order. And I started recording, Paul. Um, I started recording and uh, became a whistleblower. It's been about a year now since then. Yeah, we need people to stand up and let the people know what's going on. Now, what really caught my eye is an article you had on America Out Loud said, never before have we used children as human shields to protect the elderly. And with the recent update to the CDC's quote-unquote vaccination schedule to include this fake vaccine, uh, I think it's quite apropos. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, COVID is not a childhood disease, first and foremost. We know that children um, don't, uh, aren't subject to adverse events from having COVID naturally. Most of them endure it just as a cold. But, you know, that was one of the issues that I had with telling our children that they can kill grandma by breathing on them. And um, to throw a mask on their face, which does absolutely nothing, 
except promote the fear agenda. And, and then now we're injecting this special population with an experimental biological agent with brand new technology, never before used on humans. And it doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't prevent transmission. And children are sincerely not affected by it. I mean, they have literally 0% statistical chance of being affected by COVID. And any child that has passed away with that positive COVID result um, they have, they, they were already seriously ill. So that's what I mean by that. We, why would we use our children as shields to protect the vulnerable? We've never done that before. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've stated in other places that, uh, our medical system is no longer a system of medical science. It's, it's a socialist, it's a socialized medicine. It's a bureaucratic medicine. These decisions are not being made by doctors that are treating patients. They're being made by bureaucrats, many of whom, if they have medical degrees, have never actually treated patients. Yet here we are, we have these these bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. trying to normalize the experimentation on our children. And, and, and in full violation of not only best practices, but actual medical ethics. This is a direct violation of the Nuremberg Code, is it not? Uh, that is correct. That is correct. And, you know, it, it's crazy to me how comfortable Mer Americans are in general that they don't see this. And, you know, it's just been a travesty for the medical community to go along with this, knowing full on well that we we shouldn't be doing this. You know, none of it is scientific. It's like we, we heard these terms misinformation, disinformation. Well, those terms aren't in any medical textbooks at all. I mean, you know, science is all about data and discourse and debating through it. And, and for them to just, you know, come out and silence medical professionals so easily has just been very hard to witness. It's truly the antithesis of science. Science is, by definition, challenge. It is it is dissent. It is, I think, something different. Let me see if I can prove it. And you're right. That's been gone. Um, you know, I, I, my wife uh, has MS. Uh, she had a neurologist that stopped seeing her because she refused to take this experimental product. Um, I We had a... She's now going to another... Um, neurologist who, and again, these are doctors, right? These are medical professionals. These are practicing licensed physicians. And I had this doctor tell me that I should wear a mask, even though the CDC's own data shows that these masks are only about 5% effective. And she goes, well, that's 5% is better than nothing. And all I could think of was you're a medical professional, right? You understand how viruses work. If you're breathing in 95% of my exhaust, is that really make a, a, a difference? But we've it's become so bureaucratized. The bureaucrats set the standards. We have we have very few doctors that that are not part of large conglomerates, so their their decisions are dictated, and we're dealing with this uh, th this craziness. And now, like you said, you have the FDA uh, approving this experimental product for children as young as six months. 
You have the CDC making it or trying to make it standard immunization for an experimental product. We've literally decided to experiment on the American people and make that normal. And I don't know about you, but it, it's, it, it really disturbs me. Well, it's evil is what it is. I mean, we're not only doing this to Americans, but we're doing it to the world, that this is a global issue. And I believe full on that it is a war of good and evil. And the the one good thing that COVID, I mean, there, there's a lot of good things that COVID brought to light, but I think the one of the best things is the evil that has been in our in every single facet of our life that we had no idea is now exposed. And that's a good thing, right? Because you know, just like you mentioned about the the neurologist, you know, here's a brain guy, right? <laughs> that's that's not using his brain. So the, the that was a blessing to you to to leave someone who thinks like that and find someone else that is actually looking at looking at the evidence and looking at the science because, like we mentioned, you know, the whole scientific process. It, it, it we're supposed to challenge the consensus. So even if the consensus out there now on mainstream media is they're still safe and effective and do your part, like we just heard Biden spiel for 10 minutes yesterday, you know, um, we're supposed to be challenging that. And people are supposed to challenge that because that's how science, that's how science works. And People have lost their way. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're in California, where if you challenge the science, you lose your license. Um, well, it, exactly. I mean, you know, I told you about my whistleblower story. And when I my story was released, I had dozens of complaints against my license that I had to answer for. And I had to undergo a formal ethics evaluation. And I did. Um, and I came out with flying colors. My license is intact. So what does that say to people, you know, that I did, I abided by my ethical principles and, you know, and I put patient safety first because it is the role of the provider to sound the alarm when you see safety signals. And for the first time, you know, most providers, they don't vac uh, vaccinate, you know, in the ER, we're not giving childhood vaccinations. So there's a lot of people who are in the ICU. We don't do that. Why didn't the government come out and give us some guidance on, hey, listen, we're still in clinical trials with this experimental injection. We need you guys to be on alert to notice safety signals and report it to VAERS. And we're going to have a team that will do that for you because we understand that it's cumbersome to sit at, at a desk. And it's impractical that a provider can sit at a desk for 30 minutes uninterrupted because if you get up and walk away, it times out. You can't save it. But none of that was done, Paul. None of that. So that just told me immediately that they didn't care to know. They just wanted a shot in every arm. Well, problem number one, expecting government to protect you. That's not what they're designed to do. We keep we keep expecting bureaucrats to make these decisions. They're not. It's one of the reasons why 
when my wife and I look for medical professionals, we look for people that actually practice medicine, not just what the bureaucrats say. But the very idea that the decision was put in the hands of government, the reason we have a Nuremberg Code was because government officials experimented on human beings and it was such an atrocity, we never wanted that to happen again. Yet instead of happening in one nation in Europe, you're right, it's happening worldwide and it is spreading even farther. Uh, and it's it's something I think we the people, we the people need to deal with. And, and, you know, I come from a constitutional background. So to me, it's not a question of, I don't need to change the CDC. I need people to ignore the CDC. I need people to ignore the FDA. They have They have squandered any trust the American people should have that they give two rips about the health of the people. They've become the uh, just another bureaucratic mess. And, you, you know, you got caught up in part of it, and the country's being caught up in part of it. So one of the reasons why I'm working on this legislation so that states will outlaw the use of the CDC schedule or, emerg- or the requirement of the... Uh, uh, the the use of emergency use authorizations for anything that involves state funds. We need to make the CDC, um, we need to make them irrelevant until they become uh, ethical again. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there, I don't think there's any, no saving that organization. <laughs> you know, I, I say the FDA and the CDC and the NIH, they're all in bed together. And just like the hospital system, I mean, I loved being a bedside nurse. I loved running to codes. I I love talking to people in, in their hardest time of life. And for me to come to the realization that I don't think I can ever work in a hospital under those types of policies again, uh, it, it was hard and it was a tough pill for me to swallow. Um, but, you know, I, I tell people we need to put our faith in God and not man. And what we're doing and what we've done these days is we've made the government our God and we bow down at their so-called altar of science. And, you know, everybody, I don't care what you believe in, they sense something happening. They sense that evil that's happening. And the days of putting your head in the sand and thinking somebody is going to you know, handle it. I mean, we're we're long gone off of that. You know, it, it, those days are are gone. And I mean, everybody needs to get involved in politics at at a local level and 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 help out. I mean, I lived in a bubble, Paul. I, I lived in my my bubble in March of 2020 when I heard that the globe was getting on board with shutting down the economies for two weeks. I. I just was beside myself and I knew immediately I was given the discernment to pay attention to this. And thankfully I did because, you know, I feel like I'm on the side of truth. So whatever people want to throw at me um, from all different angles, you know, I'm, I'm ready to take it because, you know, the truth will win. I have no doubt about that. You know, Jody, time just absolutely flies. I'd love to have you back because I like the, the, the I like the way you you've approached this. Before we go, though, can you tell my audience where they can find more of your material and, and find out more about you? Yes, uh, you know, I'm in the process of creating a website and stuff. Um, but you know, probably the best way to find me right now is uh, you can email me at Jody at AmericaOutloud.com because I have the new show on The Pulse on Friday evenings. 
And if you're on social media, you can look me up at nurse for natives. That's F-O-R natives on Instagram and Telegram. Great. Jody, thank you very much. I look forward to having you back in and getting this information, getting actual medical information from a medical professional. Thank you, Paul. Now, up next, I have an interview with Dr. Peter McCullough. I always love talking to him. Only man I know who can talk, talk over my head that I still understand. But before I do, I have to take a break. And I'd like you please to check out Healthy Cell. They are a leading innovator in supplements for health at the cellular level. They've got a lot of wonderful products. One I love is Focus and Recall. I use this regularly. You get to the end of the day, you're getting fuzzy, you're having a hard time concentrating. Forget the coffee, forget the soda, forget the energy drinks. Try Focus and Recall. It'll boost your short-term focus without giving you the shakes or the jitters. As an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order at HealthyCell.com. Just use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So go to HealthyCell.com, put your card together, use the code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.5 proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. That's HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. 
welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. Today we're talking about, well, the CDC's little trick-or-treat, and maybe how we can turn it back on them. It is my pleasure to have join me right now Dr. Peter McCullough, a, a leader in information about uh, this whole COVID-19 fiasco. Dr. McCullough, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So, uh, obviously, we've been talking about the, the CDC and, and their recent addition. Uh, I'd love to hear your opinion of what's going on. It's unprecedented that the CDC would add an emergency use authorized vaccine, one that's uh, still in development for a pandemic, a, a temporary problem, uh, and that they would add it to a childhood schedule without knowing the dose, the duration, the intervals. Uh, all of this is unprecedented. And they voted 15 to zero, Paul, on this, on this decision. So it leaves so many questions. Our CDC says currently 86% of American children have already had COVID. So it's too late for them to get a vaccine. So American families just simply don't know where to go with this decision. Yeah, I, I believe it's worse than just unprecedented. Uh, I, to me, this is a, a violation of the Nuremberg Code because that schedule is used by, as, my, as I understand it, many schools and other programs as a prerequisite for students to attend. And now we're, gonna, we're going to require experimental treatment in order to, be, to participate in, in school or, or other daycare and, and uh, Head Start programs. That's terrible. 31 states uh, have uh, regulations in on the books that say that the CDC's childhood schedule is what the schools should follow to require for children to attend. But right now we hear 21 states are pushing back and saying no way on this one. So we've seen Florida Surgeon General Joe Ladapo and Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, we see gubernatorial candidates uh, Dixon in Michigan, Jensen in Minnesota, Lake in Arizona, all saying, listen, uh, there's no way this is going to happen. So uh, I think this is perfectly timed. Uh, I think the CDC decision two weeks before the midterm elections is perfectly timed because now it puts health freedom really on the top of the ticket for voters to look at. Well, I know that one of the first things I did was I went, I live in Tennessee, I went to our laws and our laws say that the health commissioner determines the uh, uh, the vaccines required for, for student admission but it doesn't say anything about what they use, right? So it, it, there's nothing that says the health commissioner can't say, no, we're just going to use the CDC, which is why I drafted uh, some legis some sample legislation that I want the states to consider. It basically says no state agency, school, or program getting state funds can either use, require the use of the CDC's uh, immunization schedule or require the use of a product currently licensed by the FDA under an emergency use authorization. Um, you know, that that's fair, Paul. I would say that uh, Ohio could be a model. You know, Ohio has a suggested schedule, but they say that a parent can opt out of any or all of the vaccines at any time without any reason. So I, I think we're going to get back to, to health freedom. You know, not all children can take vaccines. There are allergies. There are other problems. And uh, this idea that you know any type of shot or pill is going to be forced on, on people is just not acceptable. Let me give you an example. We're so worried about allergies, Paul, that we don't have a single bag of peanuts on any airplane in the United States because we're worried about a peanut allergy. 
Well, the COVID-19 vaccines, as an example, have polyethylene glycol. And it is known that there's a proportion of the population that has serious allergies to polyethylene glycol. It can be fatal. Actually, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Packers, has polyethylene glycol. And that's the reason why he uh, stood his ground and said, listen, I'm allergic to these. So this idea that children can be seriously allergic to something and they, it can be forced on them is unacceptable to parents. Well, and what I find, not like I said, not just unacceptable, I, I find... I, I don't want to hyper be hyperbolic about it, but we're talking about a, a medical bureaucracy that is normalizing the experimentation on our children. And to me, that that's beyond I refer to the Nuremberg codes. We the, 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 the world accepted these codes because we didn't want to repeat the atrocities of Nazi Germany. But here we are saying, oh, yeah, we have a, a population that is not at serious risk for a disease, that uh, we have unknown um, uh, if we have unknown effects. We have no evidence that they uh, transmit the disease. Um, and, and what I'm getting, what I'm hearing reports and interviews about the level of malfeasance in the testing of these products, yet the CDC says, yep, and the FDA, by the way, right, because they're saying they're recommending children as young as six. We have a medical bureaucracy that is not, their primary concern is not public health. And they can, in my word, in my mind, they can no longer be trusted. Well, it's true. The Nuremberg Code says that no one can receive any pressure, coercion, or threat of reprisal for participating or taking an experimental product or medicine. The vaccines, particularly the bivalent vaccines, which have just been approved by the FDA, they are fully experimental. They've never been tested in humans before. And uh, Dr. Rubin, who's editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, in the pediatric meetings in 2021 at the FDA said, the only way we'll know if these are safe are to use them in children. You know, this is basically off the rails, Paul. I, I, said, I started out by saying 86% of children have already had COVID. There was a paper in New England Journal of Medicine yesterday by Chin and colleagues, Chin, tens of thousands of American prisoners, adult prisoners, and, you know, once a prisoner has already had COVID and they get a second episode of COVID, zero hospitalizations and deaths, zero. So I am telling you, these children are at zero risk. It's like having a common cold uh, under no circumstances. Should anyone feel any pressure to take one of these vaccines? There are simply no data suggesting that they work. And there is a mountain of information to suggest they're uh, dangerous that they have serious safety side effects. Well, and and was it Moderna executive was was testifying in front of a EU committee saying they never even tested them the, these products to see if they're effective. Well, that's true. That was the Pfizer executive who, who admitted. She said, "Yes, they've never been tested to see if they stop transmission of the virus, and they don't." Our CDC director came out in the summer of 2021 and said they don't stop transmission of the virus. So vaccination does not make the schools a safer environment, doesn't make the work or military a safer environment. All the mandates should be dropped. Uh, at this point in time, you know, there is a call by the World Council for Health, a global organization to pull them off the market. Just pull them off the market. That call came out June 11th of 2022. You're going to see more physicians and others pull away from these. You can see the fracturing of states. I mentioned Florida uh, saying no way our children are going to be vaccinated. The whole country of Denmark has said this, and you're going to see more and more fracturing uh, as people start to basically come to their senses. 
So obviously, I'm a constitutional expert. I look at this from the Constitution and law. You're a, a, an experienced medical doctor. The the biggest one of the biggest concerns I've seen through this entire COVID madness is the the abdication of what I refer to as the practice of medicine by the local physician and turning it into simply a bureaucratic process. You get a set of orders, you follow the orders, and you know hope for the best. And how do we change that? Doctors are going to have to reclaim their specialty. Uh, this uh, sudden change where doctors follow protocols, doctors don't follow protocols for anything. Now, suddenly they felt completely handcuffed on the inpatient COVID protocols. They are now being told they're handcuffed in California with AB 2098, the new bill signed into law by Gavin Newsom, which says the doctors can only give the false government narrative in the exam room. Uh, things are, are, are really spinning out of control. I'll give you a ray of hope. You know, a new company has been sprung up uh, out of Canada, but it's serving the United States. It's called the Wellness Company. Completely independent, will uh, will treat COVID without any difficulty. COVID injuries will not be following any government narratives. And people are signing up for this new program in droves. In fact, employers are offering it as a benefit. Interesting. You know, that, that, I guess that's that's the way things go, right? When when things get really bad, people find solutions. Uh, I, I agree. Doctors need to start practicing medicine. I have this conversation with my GP pretty much every time I see her that I, I'm so happy to have a, a doctor, that I search for a doctor that uh, doesn't simply follow a narrative that actually treats me as a human being. And I think from a, the, the patient standpoint, we need to expect that again. We need to be treated as people, not as case files, the, you know, that you, you, know, you rubber stamp the, the process on it. Um, and it's getting harder and harder to find. Like I said, I live in Middle Tennessee, and Vanderbilt is everywhere. And trying to find somebody that, that doesn't follow the Vanderbilt protocols, it isn't part of it, was extremely difficult, especially if you're looking for specialties. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be harder and harder unless the patients start demanding it, unless we're willing to walk away from a doctor because their treatment, they're not treating you as a person. And uh, that, at least that's my opinion. Well, at least patients should give doctors feedback. This is an important one, Paul. I've said the charge for every person out there is to ask their doctor if they should take a COVID-19 vaccine at this point. And if the doctor says, well, yeah, I should take, you should take one. And then the patient simply give the feedback. So listen, I don't think they're safe. There've been thousands of Americans who have died on the same day they take the shot or the day after. I don't think they're safe. If the doctor says, well, yeah, they're safe, we'll say, doctor, you go ahead and take a few extra shots, but I'm not going to. <laughs> now, if, the doc, if the doctors heard this feedback day in, day out, patient by patient, I tell you, the doctors would change their minds. Right now, patients are being quiet. Doctors are mentioning the vaccine, and then the patients are heading for the exit, and they're not helping. P patients have to get engaged doctors on critical conversations to give this feedback. I have patients tell me all day long they don't want to take cholesterol medicines and blood pressure medicines and diabetes, but patients are so fearful on these COVID-19 vaccines, they give no feedback to the doctors. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My, my, my wife has MS. Her previous neurologist uh, about a year or so ago simply refused to see her anymore unless she took the shot. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know, part of me wanted to, to uh, contact the state ethics board because that, that didn't seem to be ethical. But yeah, to find a doctor. And, and what was really funny, we found a neurologist and um, the, the one thing I have is she was still big into the masks. 
and, and uh, you know, it's funny because my response, I'm a little more aggressive than my wife, shall we say. Um, I, I said, you do realize that the CDC numbers show that these types of masks, I was wearing a cloth mask at the time. I said, they're only about 5% effective. She goes, well, 5% is better than nothing. And my response was, so you, you're okay breathing 95% of my exhaust? Um, well, you know, let me just update the, uh, the listeners. In August, the CDC has come out and said that uh, healthcare workers uh, only need to wear masks and people in healthcare settings need to, including patients, if they have COVID. So the only time one needs to wear a mask going into a healthcare facility or a clinic is if you have COVID or if the doctor has COVID. I mean, it's just, it gets, boils down to that. And uh, what's happening is so many institutions and clinics are still overreaching in fear. You walk in and they say, well, the CDC says we don't need to wear masks anymore. And the institution says, well, we're not following the CDC anymore. So the next question for that doctor is, are you following the CDC? Because the CDC says we don't need to wear masks unless we have COVID. Well, I have to, the last time we were there, they had dropped the the mask requirement. Uh, but it's it's this, like I said, we, we've been scared into a response and now we're afraid to, you know, the CDC scared us and we're all going to die. So we did things we never wouldn't do, we would normally not do. And now the CDC says, no, you don't have to worry about that part. But it's like the fear says we don't, we don't trust them anymore. We've really become uh, uh, medically uh, terrified of everything. It, it, and COVID just seems to be the boogeyman. Well, what the CDC says now actually applied all the way through the pandemic. So let's summarize. The CDC says now we only need to wear masks when we're facing a patient with COVID, period. So wearing masks for the last three years outside of that scenario was completely wrong and a waste of time. The CDC now says that a fully vaccinated person is indistinguishable from an unvaccinated person from a public health perspective. That means we never needed vaccines in the military, workplace, school, et cetera. The CDC says now that we don't need to do a COVID test unless somebody has symptoms of acute COVID. So all that testing that was done by the companies and everybody else, the sports teams, was all wrong. So this is important. What the CDC says now, they're catching up to reality, but that same reality existed for the last three years. And the biggest problem is they've blown any credibility they have. People just don't trust them, me included. You know, it, it, if, if Walensky told me the sky was blue, I would go out and double check. I, I just literally do not trust them. But I guess the important point is, uh, is, that tr is that verify point saying, okay, the CDC says this. Do we have data to back it up? Yes. Um, and, and move forward. Uh, Dr. Or, do we, or Paul, Paul, do we have other opinions? You know, the America knows me. I'm on Fox News, Newsmax, all the news stations. Through the entire pandemic, I was saying that we should not do testing on a regular basis because the WHO in 2021 said don't do it. And the studies suggested it, it didn't uh, do anything. There was no asymptomatic spread. I've said forever that we should never have vaccine mandates, right? Because it violates the Nuremberg Code and the vaccines don't make anybody less uh, susceptible than anybody else. And I've been saying forever that masks uh, you know, should be prudently used in high-risk situations with COVID. So I've been saying everything the CDC says now, I've been saying for the last three years, and doctors in my circles have said this. So America's heard this counter opinion, and they've said, well, yeah, we should have been following Dr. McCullough because he was right on all this. Uh, you know, I've been following you for, for years, and I absolutely agree. And, and I, I know you have to, to uh, get back to work. I, what I want to say, though, is... Um, 
you know, it, it, it's it's still up to the doctors. It's still up to the people to make their own decisions. Uh, Dr. McCullough, you've already mentioned where other people can find you. Uh, is there anything else you want to tell my audience before you have to leave? Well, I've just started a new Substack called Courageous Discourse. So look up Courageous Discourse. I'm writing it with best-selling author John Leake. Go to my website, PeterMcCulloughMD.com. Takes you to all the social media. My new book, Courage to Face COVID-19. Dr. thank you so much. I always love talking to you because you're the only person I know who can talk over my head in a way I understand. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, and and have a great day. Thank you, Paul. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Uh, you You know, Dr. McCullough and I are just two of a series of voices on AmericaOutloud.com. You can find both his program, his articles, and mine. Just go to AmericaOutloud.com. In fact, I go there every day. I They're in my news feeds. I get the notification pop-ups. It becomes part of the day, and it's a good thing to get these different points of view. Find the stories, the articles. You know, Dr. McCullough says he's been saying this for three years. This information has been available for years on America Out Loud. Just take it, share it, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, share it with friends, share it with family, so that we can all do what we need to to, sh- to get the information out. And if you like this type of program with more interviews about a topic, well, please let me know. Leave a comment uh, at, on the, uh, the, the episode page on AmericaOutloud.com. It's by sharing this information, making it available to as many people as possible, that we do what we need to do so we can all share and enjoy the blessings of liberty. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best. Freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today we're talking about the trick-or-treat for the CDC, or is it the trick-or-treat from the CDC? We've been talking about the, uh, the recent actions of the CDC in regards to the COVID-19 vaccine, and I wanted to close out today with a special guest, Greg Bolden. Greg, welcome, and th- Bolden, make sure I get your name right. <laughs> welcome, and uh, thank you for joining you me right. here in the Constitution Study. 
Paul, it's it's great to to be on your show, and I appreciated you were on my show a while back, and uh, yeah, I'm glad to uh, be able to join you. I loved our conversation the first time. I can't wait to have this one today. Well, it, I agree, it should be good. But first, why don't you tell my audience just a little bit about you and your program? Sure. So uh, I am host of America Emboldened with Greg Bolden. That's me on the America Out Loud Network. I publish a show Monday through Friday on the podcast format. So if you're looking for me on the radio side, I'm on the podcast side. I'm on the website each day uh, trying to give headlines that I don't feel are covered uh, by the mainstream media or by other podcasts or public figures. I try to, to dive a little bit deeper and ask the questions that maybe somebody on the left and the right would ask in order to play devil's advocate to all sides to make sure that I kind of explore things uh, with a common sense, critical thinking, free thinking mind. Uh, and so that's kind of the way I approach every day. So if you're tuning into my show on America Out Loud, chances are you're you're hearing something that you're not hearing on all the other shows that you could uh choose to listen to. Um, it's, it's actually Paul, one of the reasons I love your show, because I love taking the constitution into the topics that I discuss as well. And you do it in a much more masterful way than I do. So I'm glad to be here to learn from you as well. Well, thank you. But the, the idea of looking at things from another point of view is exactly what I wanted you to close out this program, because I've been mentioning briefly this sample legislation that I've released that uh, anybody can pick up, anybody can share, and it's designed, well, let's face it, its title is Save Our Children from Medical Experimentation Act. Uh, I sent you a, a an early copy so you could uh, mull over it, and, and I'm kind of curious what you think about it. So I love it. I, I, I think that this is just the type of legislation that we need to restore some common sense to this conversation that is ludicrous that we need to vaccinate every single child to protect them from COVID-19. In fact, if you look at the uh, data from the CDC themselves, as of today, this recording, we've had 1,062,929 people die of COVID in this country. Only 1,325 of them were children, which means of the people that died of COVID, less than 10, it was 10% of 1%, right? It's a statistical anomaly, but then look at the cases. There's been 97 million cases of COVID and likely tens of millions of more because they're underreported. And then you have only 1,325 children that have died. And now you have a statistical anomaly, almost a 0% chance that you are going to die from COVID. My own children have had COVID and it's not something you need to worry about unless your child has a comorbid type of condition such as cystic fibrosis. Uh, so I love the fact that you're bringing some common sense legislation uh, to the forefront. And it makes sense just going through each of the sections, the points. Uh, I'll kind of highlight some of the things that I liked. And I'm also going to give you some things that I think maybe need to be changed. Uh, things I liked. You're pointing out the fact that the definition changed of what is a vaccine. If you look at the CDC back in 2021, they changed the definition of what was a vaccine in order to try to better facilitate this experimental mRNA uh, that, that Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna were putting out there. Right. So this um, is not, not only is this not legally a vaccine, but it's been proven to not have the effect of a vaccine in, in that it doesn't stop someone from getting infected with with a uh, SARS-CoV-2 or spreading SARS-CoV-2. They never did the studies. 
Well, yeah, they never, never did, the did the study. But just look, you know, it doesn't take a lot of rocket science to look at the number of 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 politicians and celebrities who have been vaccinated and triple boosted and still get COVID nineteen. Correct. Yeah. And so you know, we we heard a few weeks ago that Pfizer's uh, rep was in front of the European Parliament and said, no, we never knew anything about uh, stopping transmission. We never made those claims. But we have all these politicians, all these celebrities, all the social influencers that were paid likely by the government brought in to say, hey, we need you to tell people this could stop transmission. And it does not do that. So I thought that was this definition. Yeah, I thought that was Moderna, it, not, not Pfizer that went before the EU. So that was uh, the talk. The person that I'm referencing was uh, a Pfizer uh, executive. So both of, them, both of them have done it. Okay. Yeah. So both of them have done that now. And that was uh, Christian, I can't remember his last name, that uh, he kind of did that big expose. Right. Um, I kind of covered one of your points about the Centers for Disease Control, 3% chance of being hospitalized by the virus, uh, statistically a zero chance of death. That's great that you have in there. Um, and then this is the part where I, I, I have kind of a question for you. Okay. So in, in section 2.5, you say the CDC's childhood vaccination schedules used by schools and other children's programs as a requirement for attendance and participation. And when I did my research on that, I went to the NCSL um, and looked at what the ACIP, which re gives the immune recommendations to the CDC. And it doesn't seem to me that it's every single thing that's on their schedule across all 50 states that are required. Uh, it there's... Yeah, it, it is not a universal requirement. It is it is um, several. I don't know if the, if it's done at the state legislature, but there are many uh, schools and programs that um, the requirement is that they be the the child be vaccinated at the schedule. It is not a nationwide requirement. It is certainly not as a mandate by the CDC. Uh, but uh, there are many uh, uh, school programs. And in fact, I'm still trying to investigate because here in Tennessee, our law says that the a health commissioner decides the vaccination requirements for children in our public schools. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to find out, well, okay, where do they get that standard? Are they simply saying, oh, the standard is a CDC or they, you know, the, the health commissioner makes up his own mind. Correct. And so part of what I wanted to kind of point out to people was, you know, things like the tetanus shot, uh, things like um, talking about uh, when I say tetanus, DTAP, or I think it's also called TDAP. Uh, that's something that's kind of routine, especially like meningitis when you're in kind of a public group, when you go off to college, it's important uh, to have some of that as a safety. And I think that one of the things that I, when I read this, I want to make sure that people understand this is not to make a villain out of vaccines that have safely been used. And when I say safe, much more safely than this experimental vaccine, um, this is not to to vil vilify any of those. Uh, I That's why I kind of question some of the legislation here of what you're drawing up to make sure that all of a sudden people don't demonize every single vaccine. Um, and but I also understand why you're doing it. This is where I play devil's advocate with myself. Yeah. Like but personal belief was removed in Vermont. It was removed in California. Um, so I understand. I think at the end of the day, the, the thing that I, I, I want to see from this, Paul, is uh, what you have in section, I think it's 2.4, that nothing in this legislation is to be construed as to prohibit parents from having their children treated with these vaccines because parental choice is the thing that needs to be protected right now in the United States. Exactly. The So the, what I'm trying to do is literally take the federal government to get the states to make decisions on their own. 
So you're absolutely right. This is not to vilify all vaccines. It's basically to say the CDC cannot be trusted. The FDA cannot be trusted anymore. If you're talking about uh, authorizing an experimental uh, agent using an experimental technology on a uh, children as young as six months old that have a statistical zero chance of death, that have a minuscule chance of hospitalization, and have never been showed vaccinated or unvaccinated to transmit the virus. This is not a medical decision. Therefore, they can't be trusted. It's why it doesn't it doesn't prohibit the use of the of uh, the CDC's um, schedule for private organizations. It simply says, listen, if it's a state program, you can't require that everybody follows the CDC schedules. You can make up your own schedule. You want to, you know, you can say, yeah, these are the are the vaccines that uh, that are safe and trusted. But if the CDC is going to put medical experimentation on a standardized immunization schedule, they cannot be trusted. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate on a different side of this. I agree with you 100% on everything you just said. So not devil's advocate to that. I want to ask you kind of a libertarian type of question here. Is if if a a parent says, you know what, I'm not going to vaccinate my kid against polio or measles or whatever it may be, because that's my personal choice. My question for you is, does a public school have the right? And this is where I'm looking for your constitutional mind. Do they have a right to block that person from a public group as being deemed a possible harm to others? Uh, There's a couple things to remember. First of all, that has absolutely nothing to do with the Constitution of the United States. Public health is not a power delegated to the United States. So the first thing you need to look at is the state constitution. So I I looked at my state constitution, Tennessee, and it says uh, it's our state health commissioner that determines the immunization schedule. The thing you you have to understand is this concept of due process. And the, for a public entity to, to deny someone access to a public facility or a public program, they must go through a process that protects their rights. So you take something like a tetanus or a measles, a vaccine that has been safety tested, that has decades of safety information and decades of effectiveness information to say, okay, as a medical professional in the state, those vaccines make sense. Uh, and, and, you know, there's nothing in the, the legislation I'm proposing. And again, it's a template. People are going to manipulate it that says the, the state it, it cannot use anything on the schedule. It just says it can't use the CDC schedule because the CDC, I mean, when I, I don't know about you, when I was a kid, uh, I believe I got like seven vaccinations. They're up something around 85 vaccinations a child gets between the day they're born and the day, you know, they, 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 they turn 19. And uh, I have to wonder, are all those necessary? Are all those safe? Uh, it's a great thing to wonder. And I, I, I'm blessed to have a uh, pediatrician that kind of space things out in a way that he explained, we don't want to overload the immune system. And when I interviewed pediatricians for my own children, some pediatricians like this is the schedule. We're going to follow it. My pediatrician said, no, this is the way I space things out. We don't want to have a, a horrible autoimmune response. And I asked him recently about COVID because I was just in there last week. And he said, I will never uh, require it. Uh, it doesn't matter what they, they state. 
uh, children do not need to be vaccinated for COVID. It's up to the parents to make that choice. And I said, well, <laughs> my child will never be. Um, I want to I want to go into one other part on this if we have the time. I want to go into coercion. Okay, let, let's talk about coercion real quick. Okay. So uh, I personally, I'm vaccinated, never got anything other than one shot because I had a horrible reaction to it. Um, and I'm still dealing with the effects of it. But I cited since then the Nuremberg Code because I was coerced uh, where I work. Uh, it was kind of told that, you know, we needed to do our part. They scheduled the appointment for me. Even the person that put the shot in my arm when I said, I'm really skeptical of doing this. He said, what, don't you trust science? I was like, well, of course I trust science. That's why I'm here. But, you know, I, I wanted them to have more information. In your uh, section 3.3, you talk about any office holder, employee of an agency, schools, programs, or other entity that accepts states monies that coerces anyone to use a product um, under the emergency use authorization would be held liable. Now, I'm curious, uh, would you see that this legislation would be someone that could enact somebody to take legal action in arrears? Um, well, the problem you have then is ex post facto law, and you can't have an ex post facto law. Uh, but the idea was it was twofold. Uh, that particular part, the, the, the part that deals with the personal liability deals with the, a, a coercion of an emergency use authorization product. Uh, which, by the way, not only violates the Nuremberg Code, which is medical ethics, it violates federal law. The law that um, created this emergency use authorization says you must be informed of the benefits, of the risks, of the consequences, and you must be given the opportunity to refuse. Well, if you're coerced, if your livelihood is put, if you are compelled uh, to do something, well, then... That level of coercion means it isn't a free choice. You're you're now being uh, forced into a situation, and that should not be allowed, especially for medical experimentation. We created the they, our forefathers, the founders, I should say, uh, or I should say after World War II, they created the Nuremberg Code to prevent the atrocities the Nazis committed, where they were forcing people, they were coercing people to become medical experiments, and we never wanted that to happen again in the world, yet here we have millions of Americans that are being coerced by their jobs, by their government, by their doctors, into becoming medical experiments. Right. And for your listeners, U.S. versus Brent is the case that Paul's talking about. Highly recommend people read up on the Nuremberg Code if they're not already uh, up to date on what the 10 uh, kind of things that they learned from it that they put out as part of that code. Really important. So, uh, Greg, we've got, a, we've got a couple minutes left. Can you give me kind of like a quick wrap up and then maybe tell my, peop, my, my law audience where they can find more of your material? So, Paul, looking at this uh, bill that you're proposing... I think it's excellent because it's clear to me that no one is protecting the children right now. The CDC, the people that are cheering after they celebrate the approval of putting this onto the schedule. And what we're seeing right now around the world with things like myocarditis and the advertisements that are on uh, for children to be tested for, you know, we can treat this. This is disgusting. And so we need something to happen right now to protect our youth. That That is our future. And I appreciate the fact that you're taking it upon yourself to do this. I just want to tell listeners, you know, I've covered this on my show. I talked about the CDC just last week. If you're wanting to learn a little bit more about my perspective on things, I try to give a, a decent show each day, the best I can. Uh, come over to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. It's on every single podcast uh, network uh, that you can find. 
And uh, hopefully, you know, we can have some conversation. You also, if you want to talk to me about anything I said at real Greg Bolden on Twitter, I will engage with anyone. I'm here for the conversation. So Paul, thank you for having me. I appreciate being on your show. Well, Greg, thank you. And thank you for, you know, not simply repeating, but actually looking and analyzing and challenging what was going on there. Oh, I'm glad to. I think it's important to have that conversation because otherwise uh, it may not have as good of a shot of being adopted, right? So we want to make sure we look at things uh, through a good lens to give it the best chance to be successful. And I'm, I'm glad to be able to offer that. Thank you very much. And thank you for your time. Thank you, Paul. Well, I don't know about you, but this has been a tremendous episode. It's gone by so fast. If you want to see a copy of the legislation, if you want to have it to share with your legislatures, I will put a copy in the show notes of this program on AmericaOutloud.com. Now, I want to remind everybody that they can listen to the Constitution Study at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcast apps. You can find all the links at AmericaOutloud.com. But I want you to do something. I want you to share the show. I want you to share the programs so that we can all share the blessings of liberty from sea to shining sea.